0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where we've set another record for COVID-19 fatalities. The health department reported 191 additional deaths Tuesday, 186 were residents of Florida, five were from out of state. The disease has now claimed at least 6,240 lives in Florida. Two hours after those numbers were released, the governor held a roundtable discussion with doctors in Orlando to talk about what a great job everyone is doing fighting the disease. But the governor actually acknowledged the rising death toll, which he almost never does.
1: Well, one, I would just say, you know, these are... you know, these are tough, tough things to see when you see, you know, fatalities um, um, come in.
0: Ron DeSantis doesn't like to dwell on death, so he spent most of the time at this roundtable prompting doctors to say good things about where we are now. They talked about stabilizing, plateauing, and increased survivability.
2: We are glad to see that our mortality is, is below national average. Uh, we've been around 25% on our patients that are mechanically ventilated, which I like to talk about survival. Their survival is 75%, which is, uh, which is terrific.
0: The governor also talked about finding some way to allow family to visit residents of nursing homes, which have been closed to the public since mid-March.
2: It
1: was the, I think it was the right decision. I think it has, it has kept virus out than otherwise would have gone in. But it does come at a cost, and we want to get the family to have access to their loved ones.
0: The governor was also asked about extending the moratorium on evictions, which is due to expire at the end of the month.
1: We might, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have an announcement on that soon.
0: The eviction moratorium expires midnight Friday. The last time he extended the deadline, the governor waited until the very last minute. Just what we need during a pandemic, there is a tropical system brewing in the eastern Caribbean. The first forecast tracks from the National Hurricane Center show it hitting South Florida as a tropical storm on Sunday. Oh, goody. A Tallahassee gun lobbyist who was once president of the NRA is appealing to a federal court in Atlanta today. Marion Hammer is suing four people over nasty emails they sent her after the mass shooting at Stoneman Douglas High in Parkland. On today's Sunrise Soapbox, we'll check in with the Department of Economic Opportunity, best known as the agency that screwed the pooch on unemployment. They've got $80 million from the feds to help communities deal with coronavirus. Let's just hope they do a better job than they did with the unemployment checks. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with Florida Man, the clueless doctor edition. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, July 29th. (laughs) The state health department reported 191 more fatalities from COVID-19 Tuesday. Five of those victims from out of state, 186 were Floridians. The governor rarely mentions the daily death toll, but during a press conference in Orlando, he was asked point blank how he can talk about turning the corner on the virus when we just set a new record for fatalities.
1: Well, one, I would just say, you know, these are um, you know, these are tough tough things to see when you see, you know, fatalities um, um, come in. Uh, you know, we have a, a, obviously, you know, we're working hard to protect the long-term care facilities. I mean, we still have, you know, fatalities related to long-term care, and then and then obviously to have, um, you know, families lose somebody is, is a big deal, and, and every one of that uh, matters. Um, but what I would say is, you know, if someone's admitted to the hospital today, there's gonna to be a certain amount of treatment and everything, and so these things, usually it results in discharges, as we've heard, but um, you know not every, every time. And so I think when you see those reports, those are probably reflective of infections and hospitalizations that have happened Um, in the past. And that's just so it's so it's more of a lagging indicator, whereas I think the ED visits and some of the hospital censuses is probably more of a leading indicator about where things are trending. And so as you have fewer ED visits, as you have fewer COVID positive patients in the hospital, we think and I and I'm pretty sure with what the good work they're doing, you'll see mortality decrease um, as well. And obviously, we want to we want to get there.
0: We also have 9,230 new cases of COVID-19, which brings the state total to almost 442,000. Over the past seven days, we've averaged more than 10,000 new cases, 448 hospitalizations, and 132 deaths every day. But the governor insists things are getting better, and he found some physicians to back him up. Dr. Edward Oliveira at Advent Health in Orlando says the mortality rate for people hooked up to a ventilator has fallen dramatically since the early days of the pandemic. He says they've learned a lot since then.
2: Uh, Many of those patients stay in the ICU for many days. Uh, Sometimes up to 100 providers uh, end up seeing those patients and taking care of them and participating on their recovery. Um, We are glad to see that our mortality is is below national average. Uh, We've been around 25% on our patients that are mechanically ventilated, which I like to talk about survival. Their survival is 75%, which is is terrific, uh, compared to what it was and what it's been in some other locations. But of the patients that get hospitalized, uh, 5% or 95% of them will survive, uh, 5% of them will uh, will expire. Uh, so I think that that's, a. although it's, it's never a positive to have anyone uh, succumb to this illness, I think that we've seen improved outcomes over time. And I think it has to do a lot with the team approach, us not being overwhelmed, preparing ourselves, uh, having cohort units, uh, standardized care as much as possible, um, and um, protecting our community. I think uh, I, I'm proud of the outcomes. I think we've seen something uh, special here in Central Florida with the hospitals here that participated together in, in attacking this uh, this pandemic the right way.
0: They've also done a better job figuring out which health issues make it more likely you'll die if you're infected. They call it comorbidity and Dr. Vincent Shu with Advent Health says if you're overweight, you're on the list.
1: So I mean obviously age is a huge factor of course, nothing that can be done about uh, about about that, but other comorbidities include the usual things that we see a lot. Uh, they will include uh, hypertension, diabetes, those that are immunocompromised, uh, for example, uh, you know, cancer therapies and so forth. Obesity appears to be one of those factors as well that really plays a role. Uh, so certainly, uh, you know, did, any disorders of the of the immune system can certainly lead to um, more complications.
0: The medical directors and hospital administrators who join the governor for these table talks never challenge him directly. That's a job for the rank and file. Maria Suleiman is a registered nurse in the intensive care unit at Jackson Memorial in Miami-Dade, who just went back to work after being out sick with COVID for almost five weeks.
3: Coming back this week, I have witnessed uh, all of my staff members, all of my co-workers completely overwhelmed, completely exhausted and desperate. Um, we are really asking for this to stop being so political and listen to the science um, because the two just don't mix. The only political part of this that we need is some leadership in mandating the masks because our healthcare systems are just... We, we, they're just to, to the top. We cannot handle this if nothing is done. Um, people are, we can't take it anymore. And we don't know how long we have these nurses for. Um, you know, it's it's getting pretty bad. A lot of us are getting sick and it's just spreading like a wildfire. Um, just as simple as just wearing a little mask can help so much. Stay at home as, as much as possible. Uh, social distance, wash your hands, everything just... Just do what you can to protect your health care and your nurses and your doctors.
0: Needless to say, Maria was not invited to the governor's roundtable. Ron DeSantis is also talking about the possibility of allowing people to visit their parents and grandparents in nursing homes and long-term care. Those homes have been off limits since March, but the governor's trying to find a way to reunite families.
1: We've put more resources towards protecting our long-term care facilities than any state in the country from the very beginning. I mean, when we stopped the the visitation in the middle of March, that was a tough decision because you know, it, it, it leaves the families not being able to see their loved ones. We uh, required all staff to wear PPE, and then we provided PPE. So the state of Florida has provided over 10 million masks. We've half a million face shields, gloves, gowns to all the long-term care facilities for their staff to be able to do that in the hope that that will, you know, help to limit transmission. They are required to be, uh, all staff are required to be screened every day. We also, in April, I dispatched the National Guard to go around to these facilities, test residents who wanted to be tested, test staff. We were able to identify a number of infections before it spread. And so that was able to, to prevent larger outbreaks. As after we went through that, we said, "Okay, if it's getting in, it's going to get in with the staff," and so that's why we have. And it's a big financial investment, but I think it's worth it. We're doing every two weeks, every staff member's got to be tested. And so if you identify somebody who has been te- who positive, then obviously you know they need to uh, isolate and, and follow the symptom-based approach going going back. So we've put in huge amounts of effort. I would say that because we've done that. Um, you know, we've had given, given how many facilities we've had, you know, I, I have no question that, that, that we've been able to save many, many lives. At the same time, this thing is a very insidious thing. I mean, you can have every precaution in the world and there's just no guarantee. Now, some facilities have just dropped the ball. There's no doubt about that's happened, but I would say most facilities that have had a case have had a relatively limited number of cases that were identified and isolated appropriately. The other thing I think we're gonna we're gonna do for families is the federal government is gonna send a point of care tests to many of the nursing homes. Now we got to figure out how many in Florida and 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 whatnot. But the point of care test, I believe, they'll be the antigen point of care test. So to be a fifteen minute test, if you have the ability to do that then I think we need to be able to start thinking about visitation again. Uh, because if you test negative, um, and then you can go in and see, see your loved one, and obviously you can have PPE requirements, all this other stuff. But I really, really worry about the toll that the isolation has had on people in long-term care facilities. It was the, I think it was the right decision. I think it has, it has kept virus out that otherwise would have gone in. But it does come at a cost, and we want to get the family to have access to their loved ones.
0: The governor also hinted he'll be extending a moratorium on evictions scheduled to expire at the end of the month. Then he was asked what he would say to Floridians who are still waiting on unemployment payments.
1: You know, in terms of unemployment compensation, we've now paid out almost $12 billion. And I believe between 1.7 and 1.8 individual uh, claimants, you know, have now been paid. Uh, And I think that's like 99.9% of the folks that are eligible. So they're continuing to work on it. Um, and that is more than the number of people that have actually been unemployed because some of the federal benefit for the um, gig workers, um, you know, does apply. So we've worked to do that, um, you know, going forward, and we'll continue to do it.
0: The state has indeed paid out almost $12 billion in jobless benefits, but most of that money actually came from the feds. And those $600 a week federal supplements in jobless benefits, well, they run out at the end of the month. 160,000 additional unemployment claims were filed over the past week in Florida. 3.3 million claims have been filed in the state since the outbreak began in March. Next up on the Sunrise Soapbox, something completely different. What if they gave a public hearing and nobody talked? You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we're much obliged.
1: The Florida Hospital Association has released the Open Plan, designed to allow Florida's safe resumption of elective surgeries and procedures. OPEN stands for O, Observe the COVID-19 Rate of Community Occurrence, P, Prevent Transmission, E, Establish the Process to Restore Elective Surgeries and Procedures, and N, Network with All Healthcare Providers. You can read the OPEN plan today at fha.org.
0: Welcome back to Sunrise. The State Unemployment Agency, which is officially known as the Department of Economic Opportunity, will be getting almost $80 million from the federal government to help communities deal with the COVID crisis. That money will go out in the form of community development block grants. But first, they are legally required to hold a public hearing on their plans to allocate the money. So staffers at the department held a public hearing by phone. And while there were plenty of people listening, no one was talking.
4: At this time, we will hear any public comment on the substantial amendment. Please, again, introduce yourself first, and if you will, again, spell your name one more time, and then make your comment. Okay, so we're accepting comments at this time. We're going to hold for a few minutes to see if anybody does decide to make any public comments, so we'll hold at this time. And then we will conclude the meeting if there are no public comments. I think we'll hold for until about 11:15 AM in case there are people who show up late or decide that they would like to make a public comment between now and then. And then if we don't hear any public comments, then we'll make our closing and close the meeting. Okay. At this time, we're accepting any public comments from anybody for comments on the action plan substantial amendment. If there are any public comments, please make them at this time. Please introduce yourself and spell your name if you wish to make a public comment. We'll be uh, waiting to hear any public comments until about 1115. If any public comments come in during that time, we will uh, listen to them. If there are no public comments, we will conclude the public hearing. Thank you for your participation and interest in the CDBG program.
0: The hearing lasted 12 minutes, but when you cut out the silence, it took less than two. In case you're wondering, that $80 million in question comes from the Department of Housing and Urban Development. A federal appeals court in Atlanta hears arguments today in a lawsuit stemming from emails that Florida gun lobbyist Marion Hammer received after the mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland. Hammer, the NRA's Florida lobbyist, went to the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals after District Judge Robert Hinkle ruled against her. Hammer sued California attorney Lawrence Sorensen and three other men over emails that she alleged were harassing and threatening, including emails from Sorensen that contained photos showing injuries from gunshot wounds. Judge Hinkle described the emails as disgusting, but he dismissed Hammer's lawsuit on First Amendment grounds. In that appeal, Hammer's attorneys argue that Hinkle's ruling did not properly balance free speech and privacy rights. The court hearings begin at 9. The state's Blue Green Algae Task Force meets online at 8.30. The Education Estimating Conference meets at 9 to talk about public school enrollment numbers as they relate to capital outlay funding. Members of the Board of Pharmacy, the Board of Medicine and the Board of Osteopathic Medicine are holding a joint meeting at 9 to talk about rules to carry out a new law that expands the authority of pharmacists to provide health services. The Commission on Offender Review meets by conference call at 9. The St. Petersburg College Board of Trustees holds a workshop at 9. The Florida Public Service Commission holds a workshop at 9.30 about the financial impacts of COVID-19. The power companies will present information about the number of customers who are late making payments or have stopped altogether. The State Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission meets at 9.30. The Southwest Florida Refugee Task Force meets by conference call at 1, and the Revenue Estimating Conference meets to analyze highway safety revenues at 1.30. Finally, today we check in with the Florida men who are training as doctors but can't seem to follow a physician's advice. 18 anesthesiologists in training at University of Florida Health in Gainesville contracted COVID-19 after a party at a private home a little more than two weeks ago. The cases include 14 junior residents, two senior residents, a fellow, and an administrative employee who are all recovering at home. UF Health will not confirm the report. It prohibits employees from speaking to reporters without permission. But Fresh Take Florida, a news service operated by the University of Florida's College of Journalism, broke the story after obtaining an email from the chairman of the anesthesiology department.